Hi, welcome. I'm Kathleen. And I'm Kim. And you're here for, for Uncomfortable Conversations, Conversations with, with the K&K Twins. Twins. So tonight, we're going to, we're working on Unit 5, Day but 2. But before we start talking about that, we have, we have an announcement. Oh, we do have an announcement. So, I am moving to another state. So this is the last time Kim and I are going to be here in together. the same room together, at least like for a while. Like touching. But yeah, I know, we'll right? still, We're still going to continue our podcast, mm-hmm. but we're just going to do it in a format which involves technology, which... Over you, Zoom. We're going to try this. We'll see. We're not yeah. techie. Yeah. So it could be a disaster. You don't even know how many times we just tried to do this just now. It's so dumb. <laughs> we're, we're, we're ridiculous. Pick us three tries. I'm just saying. We're ridiculous. Okay. So. Okay. Onward. So we're um, in Unit 5. We're, looking th- we're working through Day 2. Oh, here. I'll hold mine yes, up. Yes, please. Mine, Yours mine. looks much nicer. There you go. Um, untangling Relationships. By, by Pat, Pat Springle. Springle. And you can find these on the official McGee Publishing oh, Company oh. website. McGee Publishing. So if you go there, you can uh, order the books directly from yes. us. Yes. Okay. And we encourage you to. Yes, go through this please. with us. Yes. You might, and I know you've done this book twice, three times? Three times. Yeah. Third time. So mm-hmm. the more you go through it, yeah. the, the more you, the more you are, get out of it. Yeah. So, yeah, and because sure. it does change over time. So, so do you recall what we said was one of the, the first characteristics of codependency all the way mm-hmm. back in unit one? Right? Mm-hmm. It was lack of objectivity. Which for me was everything, the hardest one to wrap my brain around. Everything stems from that. Yeah. We just we do not see reality, especially if we're raised in a dysfunctional home. That seems normal to us. So yeah. we don't see the reality of the dysfunction. And we don't see ourselves clearly when we are walking in that and functioning in that dysfunction. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So regaining some objectivity about life and your responses to it is an important first step towards untangling relationships and healing the deep wounds in your life. Yeah. Okay, so today we will explore six common responses, or we like to call them defense mechanisms, that codependents use to manage their hurt and anger. So as we review these, listen for understanding and listen for application. Mm -hmm. So we've got to apply these. After each response, objectively seek to answer the question, do I typically respond in hurt and anger in my life in this way? We've got to start being real with each with ourselves, right? Right. So healing requires honesty and transparency, especially with yourself. Or if we you can't, can't be honest with ourselves. We li- we literally yeah. can't be honest with anyone and else. We can't see it. So. so that's that's. So we're going to talk about you know these the six these um, defense mechanisms. Yeah, that's the word I'm looking for. The, mm-hmm. These defense mechanisms, and then we're going to finish up if Kathleen wants to with a healthy way. That's very personal. So I'm excited. I'm excited for Kathleen to share. Because I think even that will bring some healing. And I think not just for you, but I think it'll be um, healing and and give people hope. Yeah, it's it's a very intimate and personal thing but we'll we'll see if we have time <laughs> so oh, you see how she's trying to get out of it? dodge it that's what so happened. would you like to read the first one? Oh, i would love to let's about, talk about numbness let's tell us yeah. all about it yeah so when sometimes when the pain is so great we just block it out i think especially for children this is what we don't know how to handle right. the pain so we you know you've heard of children who have no memory and they block right. things mm-hmm. um so and or when our anger is too frightening we can deny it's even there. I'm not angry. I'm not mad. Do you remember when I used to say that? <laughs> I don't when know what you're talking about. This, I'm not mad about anything. Because like, I was telling her, you go through these different phases. One is anger. She's like, 
I'm not an angry person. I've never really been angry. I don't get yeah. angry. Mm. You know why? Mm-hmm. Because I'm really, really good at numbing myself yes. and not feeling it. And so that's one of the things that happens when you go through this healing process. You do start feeling yeah. all the feelings. You start feeling you your do, stuff. Which is good. It, it is it's, good. It's scary in the beginning mm-hmm. because we're scared of our feelings. We were terrified. We, oh, yeah. Oh, I, I really this, was. <gasps> I really was. It was so scary. But, you know, I worked really hard to live this surface life. Um, where everything was always fine and I could always put a smile on my face and I could avoid deep pain. Um, but it's always there. It's bubbling under. And so if you, if we have um, superficial emotions, then we're also going to have superficial relationships. Exactly. And eventually what happens is we don't feel anything at all. So if you've ever been like, I don't know what's wrong with me. I can't cry. I don't know what's wrong with me. I just don't, I don't feel get anything. angry. I don't, I, yeah, I feel nothing. I, I, I'm numb. Yeah. That is a defense mechanism. That's not normal. That's not healthy. Numbness keeps us emotionally distant from what's happening inside our lives. So instead of being a part of what's happening in our lives. Being present. We've completely disconnected. And this blurs and confuses the things that are leaving us emotionally blinded. I also want to say it, it's probably confusing to our bodies. Our bodies and our minds are not aligning because what's that book you talk about? The, oh, the, the body, body keeps knows the score. score. Mm-hmm, the body keeps the score. Yeah, your mm-hmm. body knows what's going on the even trauma. though we're avoiding mm-hmm. it. And if you have had trauma, if you had a lot of emotional trauma and you're not dealing with it, it will come out one way or another. So typically it will come out physically. Yeah. Like you'll get a lot of, if you have a lot of you know issues, you know medical stuff, a lot of, you know, um, migraines or just physical stuff. You you can literally make your body sick, literally, mm-hmm. because you're stuffing and not dealing yeah. with the emotional trauma. And we can't just suppress some of our emotions. It's all or nothing. So when we rep- repress the painful feelings, we're blocking the enjoyable ones too. And right. that's not a full life. We right. think we're we're making things better, but we're missing mm-hmm. out. And um, so sometimes, if you know, because emotions are painful. We feel like they're either wrong or bad or we just don't want to have them. Yeah. So then we miss out on the good ones because mm-hmm. you can't pick and choose, like she said. Yeah. So. And we have lots of ways that we do this. I think the most popular one, and probably for women especially, is just being busy. Saying oh, busy. Oh, we're so busy. That's the so most effective way to avoid our feelings. Yep. Being busy. Each activity becomes like a deadening shot and it desensitizes us to our, our feelings and our hurts. We can do this with activities. We can do this with television. We can do this with engage, you know, always everything, having yeah. to take care of everything and everybody. Mm-hmm. We're so busy. We can't feel our feelings. If you are <clears throat> one of those people that can't be alone with their feelings, can't right. be alone with you their thoughts, be alone you have quietly. to have something playing all the time. You, mm-hmm. you, you um, when I hear a lot <clears throat> is I can't stand the quiet. I can't stand it when it's quiet. I get bored. Like, so you don't want to deal with their I, stuff. That's I, that's you a sign. Can't be alone with yourself, or you can't be alone quietly. Yeah. Without constantly having something to do, or being entertained, or having you know noise going on, then there's probably things that you're avoiding. We I mean, fill our lives know. with activities. Mm-hmm. We fill our lives with superficial relationships, um, or things that are really important but not necessary. Um, overstepping our bounds sometimes, let me say. Maybe we meddle too much in our children's lives instead oh, of yeah. living our own. Mm-hmm. Just throwing that out there. Could be. Um, so that we don't have to feel the pain. Right. So I want you to think about what do you do to stay busy? Are you scrolling through social media? 
Um, are you ticky tacking all the time? <laughs> I'm, I'm not on TikTok. I'm not on TikTok, so I joke about it called ticky tacking. Uh-huh. Um, but, but TV is huge. Huge. Gaming, games, computer so, games. So, yeah. Constantly being on, you know, yeah. gaming. You know, avoidance. That's yeah. an avoidance technique. Also, totally agree. Mm-hmm. Um, do you daydream? Do you take yourself out of reality instead of dealing with the things? Do you pack your schedule so tight and so full that you can't address any actual real issues? Um, think about it. What do you do to avoid pain and suppress your emotions? So there's a little homework for you. Think there about you that. There's homework assignment number one. So number two is <sighs> pain without gain. So some people don't become numb. They hurt so badly they can hardly stand it. Mm. The pain is so great. They experience a feeling of being hopelessly crushed. Like I'm talking despair, mm-hmm. despondency. An intense feeling of loss with no hope of gain consumes them. So there, it feels like there's just no hope. They feel broken into a million pieces and no glue can fix them. There is no healing, just pain and hurting. But because we can't admit this kind of pain to others, we put up a front of competence and happiness. Few people ever realize the blackness that lurks deep inside beneath the the you know brightness outside this reminds me of um i went through a certification i'm a certified advocate for human trafficking survivors and they were talking about how uh, several times in the in the course of that training they talked about how trafficking survivors who have been so traumatized just use the use the term they feel like they've been broken into a million pieces they've been shattered there's no putting it back together it's kind of like if i took a puzzle and shook it up and just threw all the pieces out it's just almost impossible to get all the pieces back and try and put them all back together and that's kind of how you know how this feels so it's very hopeless it is it's very it is very hopeless very sad so um and that's where a lot of people come up with you know depression Mm -hmm. anxiety Mm -hmm. um you know just ocd kind of issue just Things that keep us emotionally trapped inside our head and our, in our, you know. Um, and really just bodies. creates more trauma. Instead mm-hmm. of healing the trauma, we're right. really just creating more trauma. Right. So, uh, is it okay if I... Yeah, okay. read Connie's so, Connie mm-hmm. story to you. And if you're in the book, Connie is somebody who is represented in the book. And if you're reading, it's on page 92, if you're reading along. It says Connie's story. So, most people would describe Connie as healthy and mature. When she came to me, she said she had to talk to somebody. She thought she was losing her mind. Though she had many friends and was considered a successful mother, businesswoman, and church member, she was dying inside. She described the home of her childhood. On the surface, it seemed normal enough. No alcoholism, no divorce, no addiction. Yet she remembered her parents' relationship as being cool and aloof, like an armed truce. Their relationship with each other was duplicated in their relationship with her. Mm. Though no outward signs of dysfunctional family existed, the family was, in fact, quite dysfunctional. She had been left an emotional orphan, fending for herself and lacking the love, protection, and support every child needs. And I feel like a catch in my throat because I know of one of my children who absolutely feel this way i don't i don't it's interesting okay so when 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 the person telling this story is actually pat springle who wrote the book he was a counselor so this comes out of his counseling session so and so he says she wept my father never held me he never told me i was 
his special little girl or anything. I wanted to be loved so much, but no matter what I did to please him, I never felt he loved me. This dear woman is afraid to be loved. She is afraid that if she experiences someone's affection, it may be taken away from her and the pain would be unbearable. She wants to be loved so badly. She needs it so desperately, but she's afraid of being hurt even worse than she hurts now. That is hurt with no hope, hurt with no healing, pain with no gain. And I can relate to that to a certain extent with my dad never telling me he loved me, never holding me, never making me feel special, you know, none of that. that yeah. You know, and I relate so much to that and I think that really had a huge impact on how I related to men mm-hmm. and how, you know, just how on my sense of value, worth, self-esteem, all those good things. So, um, so pain without gain. So some people don't become numb. We just talked about that. Sometimes, um, sometimes we're afraid to be loved. Codependents are, yes, we can be very afraid to be loved. We're afraid that if we experience someone's affection and may be taken away and the pain will be unbearable. Think about that. Do you relate to that? I didn't even realize that. I, I, I think did, that. Yeah. I think that's part of who I am and issues I deal with. Mm-hmm. And Do you remember when I went through avoiding that? Avoiding relationships. Mm-hmm. Do you remember? I yes. didn't. I didn't even know that this was a thing for me until I started to be loved in a way that is normal and healthy. Healthy and dysfunctional. So And I wanted to run. Like I would yes. I remember I would come to Kathleen and I'd be like I want out I, like it would it terrified me. I'd have to me. be like breathe. Yeah. Like, Let's talk. Let's yeah. breathe. She'd be like, I don't know. She was I, it was so uncomfortable. I literally uncomfortable. almost there was one time and this is now my fiance, but at this time we just started dating. Oh she wanted to break out them every other day. <laughs> But not because he was bad. Like, but it was because he was so good. He was so good. Because it was unusual. Very unusual. And I just didn't think it was real. And she I remember he it. did something for one of my kids one day. And I literally was trying to figure out how to get out of the car while it was moving and run in the opposite direction. Which sounds crazy. Like he was so thoughtful. And I was mm-hmm. like, get me out of here. <laughs> I can't do this. <laughs> what? And he was so patient and he so he's, loving. Oh my gosh, he's fantastic. That he was like, yeah, I got this. you. Yeah. She was and, like, I, no. and I literally realized I was afraid mm-hmm. to be loved. Like, afraid I to be loved. I was afraid real, to be loved in well. In a healthy, a healthy, functional way. Ooh, that was, that was rough. Which so, sounds crazy, but it was. It is. But think about Connie. How she was so afraid to be loved. She she wants to be loved so badly. She needs it so desperately. Yeah. But she's afraid of being hurt even worse than she hurts now. Mm-hmm. And I can relate to some of that. Yeah. So this is hurt with no hope. Hurt with no healing. Pain with no gain, like we said. So... Um, someone once said to me that women who complain about always finding men with commitment issues deep down have commitment issues themselves. Which makes sense. We're terrified we of commitment. We're so afraid to be loved that we choose men that we know won't stay or will hurt us. Mm-hmm. Right? That is familiar. That feels normal. So... You know, women like this, we they avoid functional, healthy relationships based on their deep, crippling fear of losing love if they find it. Yeah. And we both experience oh, that. Oh, for sure. So For sure. Um, so most of us live with a continual sense of impending doom. 
you know we didn't we believe we don't deserve for good things to happen to us or for people to love us because that's our experience that's yes. all we've known it feels it's, so bizarre to it doesn't yeah. feel it feels so uncomfortable because we're not it used was, to it it's very uncomfortable mm-hmm. it's which mm-hmm. sounds crazy so yeah but mm-hmm. so if you feel that you're actually you might be a codependent if like yeah. you <laughs> But, exactly. But you can work you can do the work of working through it. Like yeah. I still work through it. I really do. Oh we yeah. I really yeah. still work through that one. Yeah, we do. So um but so I think when we believe inherently bad people are unworthy um we of believe love, we are inherently bad people. Yeah. Well I think we do. I think we've been taught that we are not worthy, that mm-hmm. we there's something wrong with us. And so um it, it leads us to think that we're unworthy of love. And we have this self-condemnation and self-hatred. Um, and then our self-talk. Think about the things you say mm-hmm. to yourself. And right. again, it's so ingrained you don't even hear it. But do you call yourself bad names? Oh my gosh, I'm so stupid. Yeah. Remember? Yes. Remember? Our self-talk is filled with lots of um, name-calling, condemnation. Abuse. Insults, criticism. She used to be like, ah. Oh, I don't even remember what you used to say. Yes. You'd be like, oh, I'm so stupid. I can't believe I just did that. And I would be like, stop talking about my friend that way. All I do time. not like that. It made me so aware, though. It made me so conscious that I'm really hard on myself. Yeah. And she helped me work through that. And now, even just, you know, it's funny, because just a couple of days ago, I thought, oh, my gosh, that was so dumb. Why did I do that? I thought, no, it wasn't dumb. It was just a mistake. I'm yeah. human. And I wasn't, I was in a hurry. I wasn't thinking, and this happened. Okay. We need to stop right? being so critical and... Stop condemning ourselves for being human. Yes. And just go and just own it. Let's just own uh-huh. it and let's be okay with it. Because if we heard someone else say those things to somebody else, we would say, that is so insulting. That's so hurtful. How can that's, you talk to them that way? That's hateful. You yes. Know? Why would you say that? You know? we w- so why, are we, why do we think it's okay to talk to ourselves that way? Why do we think it's okay to abuse ourselves? It is still abuse. We don't recognize that the self-abuse that we, he- that we heap on ourselves. Mm-hmm. We don't. We don't. But it is, and I think that's but part of. We believe we deserve this kind of treatment, mm, you know, because part. we do believe we deserve that because that's what we've gotten in our lives, right? It's hard to break that habit. That's so hard to like own. I know that we feel that way. Mm-hmm. But let's go back to day one, the definition of abuse. Um, but today, let's change the focus from the behaviors directed toward others to the behaviors directed toward self. So I want you to listen to this. Listen carefully. We're going to change it up. Abuse is defined as any behavior I use to control and subjugate myself through the use of fear, humiliation, and verbal or physical assaults. It is the systematic persecution. Is there another word? Persecution and hello, wearing down of myself through unrelenting criticism and fault finding of myself. I do this to convince myself to be a better person. So remember on day one when we read it, it was directed towards someone doing it, someone else doing it to you. That's the definition mm-hmm. of abuse. Now we just inserted ourselves in there, yeah. and you can see it's the same thing. Yeah, it's self abuse, and you know, the self abuse becomes part of the cycle, mm-hmm. and this is just another cycle that we need to stop. And really, it's probably theoretically the easiest to stop because we don't, we don't have to worry about controlling anybody else's behavior. We don't have to set a boundary with anybody else. This is all ourselves. So um, it's really about taking every thought captive. And when you say something to yourself, is it kind? Is it true? Mm-hmm. Is it loving? Does it lift you up? Yeah. Mm-hmm. If it doesn't do those things, 
you got you get you get to reframe it. So think about that definition we just read about how you know unrelenting criticism and fault finding of myself, right? How do you feel right now after hearing this reworked definition? So use your feeling words. We're gonna use some <laughs> feeling use words feeling now. Words. We love our feeling wheel. We do you now. Guys, we do. Get your feeling wheel now. So let's talk about some of this. So do you feel sad? Yeah. I do, do you feel angry? Yeah, I do. Do you feel lonely? Because you yeah. beat yourself down. Yeah. Do you feel It's ashamed? very isolating. It is. This self-talk. I feel like it's very isolating. It is. Mm-hmm. Do you feel ashamed? I think we make ourselves feel ashamed. Do you feel guilty? No, I never feel guilty. What are you talking about? <laughs> do you feel confused? Because you can't understand why you do this. Yeah. Do you feel afraid? Or do you feel numb? No feelings mm-hmm. at all. Mm-mm. So whatever you're feeling, what's the strongest feeling you felt... Um, read that definition again, would you? Sure. Please. Abuse is defined as any behavior I use to control and subjugate myself through the use of fear, humiliation, and verbal or physical assaults. It is the systematic persecution and wearing down of myself through unrelenting criticism and fault-finding of myself. I do this to convince myself to be a better person. Now fill in the blank. I'm feeling this because now whatever emotion you came up sad, with, sad, angry, maybe, lonely. You know, I felt sad thinking about that. Mm-hmm. But I feel this because what? Why? Mm. You know, why do you feel sad or angry or lonely or ashamed or guilty, confused, afraid or numb? Okay, think about that. I want you to really think about that for yourself. Um, years of numbing feelings produce something in people called a flat effect. Mm-hmm. That's what the flat effect is, Kim. So it describes the lack of any range of emotions. A person with a flat affect rarely cries. They rarely feel anger. In fact, they rarely feel anything at all. <laughs> Bless you. Sadly, many codependents have a flat effect because their lives are emotionally sterile. And Ooh, so... Think of that. Emotionally sterile. We just have no... You know, you've Ooh. seen people with no affect. We do that emotionally. So let's... Have a bless you. Excuse me. Some honest reflection. Yeah. Think about that, you guys. I want you to really, we got to start digging in here because this is where the change comes is when we do the work. Mm -hmm. So we need to really be thinking about this. So what pain or anger are you not allowing yourself to feel? And you know you're not allowing yourself to feel it because when you start to think about it, you immediately like tense up. You you, you do it physically and then you start trying to get your mind to change the subject to other things. Shift gears, distract yourself. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, no, I'm not going to think about that. It's just, blah, blah, blah. I'll think about that later. Yeah. Right? That's how you know. Okay. So what pain or anger are you not allowing yourself to feel? I'm going to repeat that question because I want you to really be thinking about this because this is really, again, this is where the change happens. So, um, so yeah. What bad memories are you avoiding or denying and not bringing into the light so you can heal? First of all, I feel like this was a personal assault that you put that in there. I didn't know it was in the It wasn't, so, but very good. Last time oh, okay. I saw Kathleen, last time we were together like this, she had she had a very hard and loving conversation with me about something I need to deal with that I've chosen not to deal with for a long time, my whole life. And I still haven't dealt with it, by the way. Okay. <laughs> okay. I, I still haven't dealt with it. You did, and it was it was, it was really so hard. it was an uncomfortable conversation. It was very uncomfortable. She didn't. I mean, everything in her Ugh, was like anxious oh and nervous gosh. because 
she was telling me I needed to deal with something that I've never dealt with. Mm -hmm. And I really felt compelled because I felt like it actually came to me in a prayer and, and, you know, in a dream, actually. We don't need to talk about it anymore. Yeah. And so I realized I needed to really, and the Lord just kept prompting me that I really needed to, you know, say this. And I was like, yeah, no. No, not my business, not my place, not going to, no, no, no. And by the way, she's right. I do need to. <laughs> she, she's right. And immediately, I was uncomfortable. I was trying desperately to think of something else and distract myself. Her body trying to language figure out how changed. to get out of it. Oh, Your body language and your, like, she kind of went into herself and her whole countenance changed. It was very interesting to watch. It made me, well, I was already uncomfortable, but... <laughs> It was a very. It made you uncomfortable because you knew I was uncomfortable. Yes, she had a very physical response as well as an emotional one to that. So, yeah. yeah. So, so okay. anyway, what, do you have any emotional? What bad memories are you healing? avoiding, Kim? <laughs> or denying and not bringing to the light of day so they can heal, Kim? Very personal. <laughs> I didn't say that. But do you have any emotional hurts that you are not healing? We all need to think about this. Because and if you're not dealing with it. Consciously, you're dealing with it subconsciously. Let me just say, Mm -hmm. before the conversation you and I had last time, I would say no. There are no emotional (laughs) hurts that are not. Like, no, I don't have anything. But it is obvious. Lacking objectivity. (laughs) (laughs) She was like, you sound so codependent right now. Everything you're saying is, do you realize how codependent you sound? I was like, Leave me alone. Hey, I you. love you too much. Like, how can I get out of yeah. here fast enough? I yeah, couldn't right. get I couldn't get away from her fast. It was crazy. <laughs> so if you ever want somebody to leave your space, yeah. say the truth to them and make them uncomfortable. <laughs> but that's part of, but that's part that of is. why we have yeah. healed so much is that we can see have these right? really we uncomfortable do. and that's why we started this podcast. And we don't let each other off the hook. Yeah, we she don't. did not let me out. You can't because I will do it though. I will I know you I will. will. Yeah. I know you will. She will. My birthday is, you know, I've got stuff going on. <laughs> Avoidance techniques, staying busy. Okay, so think about the self-abuse we discussed so in this session. Codependent. I know, we are. We are. That's what we're trying to work through. So Lord. are you doing or saying things that keep your wounds raw? Mm. Think about that. Mm. So think about the self-abuse we discussed. All right, what are you saying to yourself? What are you unwilling to deal with or acknowledge, Kim? <laughs> So um, I know, and then she was after me tonight, and I uh, to deal with something I don't want to. I'm, yeah, I know. I'm stalling. Oh, so. that's true. So we'll see. Oh, oh well, right. so we're gonna wrap this up, so Kathleen can stop well, stalling. we're almost done. So okay, so one of the things I did want to share was I wanted to share um, a verse, a psalm, uh, Psalms one thirty nine eleven through twelve. Just listen to this, if you would. Um, so um, the psalmist is writing this. I could say the darkness will hide me, the light around me will turn into night. But even the darkness is not dark to you, referring to God. The night is as light as the day. Darkness and light are the same to you. Mm-hmm. So when you want to hide yourself in dark, darkness and avoid bringing your hurts into the light, remember, God is with you mm-hmm. and will help you as you walk through this healing journey. He's, he's helped not, us. He's, he's been not with scared us. of it. No, he's not afraid of it. He's not scared of it. He's not afraid of our pain. So this is, this <laughs> is the job. note I wrote in the margin. Would you like to hear the note I wrote in the margin oh. of this? This is is before our conversation. Mm -hmm. Okay? Gotcha. This is before she had an uncomfortable conversation with me. My note that I wrote to myself, Uh lack of objectivity, says, 
There is freedom and healing when things are brought to the light and dealt with. It takes away their power. Oh. <laughs> okay. And okay. still, I'm like, no, I'm oh, fine. Kimmy. I'm fine. Right. So. So. Also, I say here in my notes, I said, find a friend you can trust to help you work through this. It's not easy. And no. it is painful. Yes. But the pain will be so worth it in the end. Yeah. When the change comes and the hope comes Wait through. till I call you and tell you. I know. I can't I've wait. Had, I can't wait. I've had this other yes. uncomfortable yes. conversation. When she's dealt with it. It's going to be so free. I know. I think you're going to be really surprised how free you feel. Like, a lot I of it's be will dread it. I know. But I, just... It's come to my mind a couple times. Mm-hmm. And, of course, I just. There was something else before that was something. And you said, oh, I dreaded it so much. But now I feel so much freer. Oh, what you know. that I, me? <laughs> well, it was probably both of us. But I think it was, um. An uncomfortable conversation with my household. Okay. And boundaries just, within, yeah. within oh, my... Yeah, that's right. Uh-huh. Oh, that's and, right. and you were like... so, so ha- And we were like, like I made notes. We yeah. sat together and made all these notes. We and I was did. like dreading it in my body oh, language. It was. And then after it was over, I was like, oh, it was great. It, it was, was easy. So it like, was like, because you were prepared. Yeah, yeah. that's what I need to do this. Yeah. I need to prepare. Yeah. So, we're going to summarize <sighs> this and wrap up. And then I'm going to maybe possibly avoid sharing something really deeply personal that Um, is going to bring great healing and show how much growth Kathleen has had yes we shall see so Mm -hmm. summary statements Mm can you read some yeah I will read this so you don't lose your voice and you can read what you need to read so you're welcome so when we when we repress painful feelings we also block the enjoyable ones. Let's remember that. We want our life to be full. Don't be numb. And that means we get to experience all of the things. And trust me, there are more great things than there are bad things. Sure. Sometimes codependents conclude that since feelings are painful, feelings must be wrong. That is not true. Our feelings are our feelings and we get to work through them. They're not wrong or right. Um, believing we are inherently bad people who are unworthy of love leads us to self-condemnation and ultimately self-hatred. Ooh, that's we're going to stop abusing ourselves. We're going to stop abusing ourselves. So we talked so. about some of the ways we handle hurt and anger in an unhealthy mm-hmm. way. Kathleen is going to share a healthy way. Well, I'm going to go back to on day one. We talked about deep wounds and we talked about things like, um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, abusive behaviors like um, belittling comments, criticism, verbal threats, you know, that kind of thing. So some years ago, this was years ago, I had, some things kind of came to a head in my family. I became, I started to become more self-aware and realize that I started to see the dysfunction and I started to become much more introspective and self-reflective in terms of how I was responding to the world around me and people and situations and realized it wasn't healthy. But I also began to get in touch with some of the pain, some of the deep childhood pains that I had, and it made me so angry. I just started getting really angry, so I was just walking around super, super angry all the time because I wasn't dealing with it. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to deal with it. Mm -hmm. So anywho, apparently at Christmas one year, this is, gosh, what what would we say, 17 years ago or something? Yeah, a long time ago. Mm -hmm. Um, I just was like having it out with my mom, I guess. I don't remember all the details, but I was really wanting to pick a fight with her, I guess. So anywho, I was just so mad at her for all the things that I suffered in my childhood, right? So anywho, my mom sent me this little note. I'm going to share this with you. Okay, can, this can I say this personal. about it, though? Yes. 
Kathleen just found this. She didn't remember even getting it 17 years ago, did you? Well, like vague, vaguely. I did. I vaguely remembered it. Because remember I told you a while ago that I thought there was some interaction. You thought she'd had conversations. And, but I couldn't remember. Yeah. And I think, and this is the sad part, because I really mm. feel like I was still so angry and so hurt. I hadn't processed through everything. I hadn't healed. That I really couldn't receive this, which is unfortunate, because I think we could have had much deeper healing and a much better relationship While before she, she passed away. Mm -hmm. Yes. And that is probably one of my, my deepest regrets. But so she wrote this little note to me after we had this difficult Christmas. And so she said, dear Kathleen, this is a letter long overdue. It was obvious at Christmas time that you have some issues with me. I can't change the past. It's done. I can only apologize for not being the mother you needed and wanted. I was a mediocre mother at best. I did and do love my children. How are, but how are they supposed to know when I never told them or showed them? Now, I don't want to miss the opportunity to tell you how proud I am of you. You finished college, something I never would have managed, and you're working at a job I would never have been able to handle at all. You have turned out to be a fine person, despite me. All three of my children have done well due to their own efforts. I am sorry for whatever pain I have caused you. Perhaps over time you can forgive me, love mom. So that opened the door for me to then respond in a way, because I had never had a chance to verbalize, to express all of the pain and all of the hurt and my experiences in that household as a child. So I wrote an email to my mom, and I'm not gonna read all this to you, but I'm gonna give you kind of the gist of it. So I wrote back and I said, mom, dearest mom, thank you for your note. It is nice to know you're proud of me. Um, I'm sorry if I seem frustrated with you at Christmas. I am working through some issues in my own life, some of which have to do with my relationships and things that shaped me as a child. So I was becoming more aware and trying mm -hmm. to work. I, I knew I was angry and hurt. I just couldn't, I wasn't sure what to do with all of that. Mm -hmm. So I was trying to figure that out. For reasons which I am still not completely clear on, I never felt like I belonged in our family. I felt like, I always felt like an outsider. At best, I felt invisible, and at worst, an annoyance. I did not feel loved, although I felt safe and protected, which is good. I never felt emotionally protected or safe. I just felt, I never felt loved unconditionally. I never felt good enough or like I was worth being loved. I just never felt like I measured up to you and dad's expectations. Maybe that is not how you felt at all, and you may be shocked to learn that is how I felt, but it is the truth, and I need to say this in order to start healing and move on. Um, so then I said, um, another place I said, this is not a condemnation, and I'm not saying this in anger or bitterness. I am just sharing how I felt and what felt real for me at the time. I spent a good deal of my life angry and hurt because I thought no one loved me. But I am past that now and working on the forgiveness and healing part. So, you know, I just went on and began to talk to her. And um, and I told her about, you know, she was hypercritical and what her constant criticism, how that felt to me. You know, wh how it impacted me. And that I, I recognized that I did the same thing with my daughter, which mm -hmm. I hated. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to break that cycle with my daughter. Um, unfortunately, I didn't do as well as I hoped to. Um, but I did say, you know, sometimes my mom, when I would get upset with her for saying hurtful things to me, you know, I would get upset and she would say, oh, you're too sensitive. You're just so sensitive. 
well, that's kind of a cop-out. And so I said to her, I said, Mom, you say I am too sensitive, but I feel like I've had a lifetime of criticism, and I finally have to say, stop, you are hurting me. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, we just went on to talk about how we can treat each other better, and, um, you know, my mom went through some struggles of her own that shaped who she was and her parenting. Um, so I didn't, you know, I, I, I said here at one point, I'm trying to allow you to be who you are with all your baggage, but at the same time, protect myself because Boundaries. I know, you know, yeah, I don't want to judge her and I want to love her and, you know, I want to love you and enjoy your company. Um, but I hope someday I'll be strong enough emotionally not to be bothered by your criticism. But for now, it still hurts me. So anyway, I, I wrote some different things. So then my mom responded. So she kind of sent the first little note and then I got to say all the things I needed to say. And then my mom, in her wisdom and in her self-awareness, she had really evolved. She had come to, she would really come a long way. And I really feel a certain sense of shame that I never recognized that Mm -hmm. and never gave her credit for that. Um, But she wrote, Dear Kathleen, I love you much. Thank you for your letter. You needed to write it, and I needed to hear it. That is the reason I wrote you the first note to get things moving. Should have done it sooner. I do understand now how you felt when you were growing up because I felt exactly the same way when I was growing up. See, I had no idea. I didn't know what she went through. Um, I was not aware of it at the time, unfortunately, for you. So um, I don't know why it is that when we parents don't like the way we were raised, we still raise our kids the same way. I always thought that I was a better parent than my mother was. So what? That's no consolation for my children. I had no idea how to be a parent. Did I do the best I could? I'm not sure. I had a lot of depression and anger that kept my attention on me instead of where it should have been. Love and kindness are things I have always had to work at. Still needs more work. I don't know if I'm going to do that by my dad. Should I? That's up to you. Do you think that's relevant? No. Okay. Um, but she would say, when I hear you and your sister scold your kids, I cringe inwardly because I see myself. At least you are aware of how it affects Abby, so you can apologize to her and let her know you are working on improving. I was just so unaware of how I affected my kids. I know I am very critical, and I am working on that. Old habits are hard to stop, but it must be done. I know I'm not a bad person or a bad mom, but I could have been much better. I know I need to forgive myself, and that is the hardest to do, so it will take a while. You do not owe me an apology, but I owe you one. So let's both work on letting go of all the baggage and get on to better things in life, love, mom. I didn't read all that, but what I love about that and the hope that brings me is that my mom, later in life, I mean, it was later, it was, I guess, less than 10 years before she passed away, but... um she became more aware and she became willing to take responsibility mm-hmm. and to own her stuff. She, she owned her stuff and she apologized for that and she was trying to make some amends for that. And unfortunately for me, and as I said to my great shame, I was not at a place where I was healed enough to receive it, to accept it. So although it did improve our relationship, it did um, to a certain extent. Um, I really wish I'd gotten to the point before she passed away where I could say, I forgive you and we're good, you know? Mm-hmm. And I never got that opportunity and I regret that. Um, but I feel now like, I don't know how to explain it. Even just a few years ago before I started this journey with this book, 
I still felt like sometimes when I thought about things and I thought about her, I would just have this, mm -hmm. this molten ball of hot anger, you know, lava anger yeah. and rage in my gut, you know, that I just couldn't get past. And now it's gone. Yeah. It has I melted away. Telling me it was it's just gone. I'm not angry mm -hmm. anymore. I don't feel all those things. When I think about some of those bad things, I think about it more philosophically mm -hmm. and more realistically. Yeah, that mm -hmm. happened. That's, that you was can my detach. reality. You I can was detached detach from Thank it. Thank you. Yeah. I detached from it and I see it. Doesn't change that it happened. Right. Doesn't change the impact it had on me, but it changes. But I have changed who I am now. Yeah. And so how I relate to that experience is very different. Now. Right. And, and I think her communication, first of all, is phenomenal. But it also shows how these codependent cycles mm -hmm. we pass them along to our children, not on purpose. No. Like she was saying, she didn't know any better. She yep. didn't know any better. We do what we are taught. So that was a huge motivation for us in. And working through the our own codependency, mm -hmm. and also sharing this with you all because mm -hmm. we want to have we want to do better by our kids. Right. I want my kids to not have to deal with all of the things that I've dealt with for the last fifty years. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna turn fifty. <laughs> Youngster. <laughs> um, and we have you can't break the cycle unless you break. The cycle, and right. that that takes bringing it to light and mm -hmm. and and doing the work. So that's why we're here. It. You have to own it, man. You gotta. And you your have mom to acknowledge did. that it's an issue. Your mom, she owned, owned it, it, man. She owned it, and and she's like, I thought through. I was a better parent, than my, better mother than my mom. So what? What did they do, my you, kids? Right. Wow. So the pain is still there. So she acknowledged my pain. She, yeah. I mean, she affirmed a lot of that, which was so. And I think that was so important for my healing. Mm -hmm. Now, you may not always get this. The person that oh, hurt yeah. you or abused you may never own it. They mm -hmm. may never. You're going to have to learn to. I should say you're going to have to. And you got it. You got it and couldn't even receive it. Yeah, we need to be able to heal despite that. Whether yeah. they ever own it or apologize yeah. or not. But I had a blessing. I, that was a gift mm -hmm. that my mom sure. gave me. Um, and I did not receive it as I mean I did to a certain extent but yeah. really not and, and so. it did it probably was you know mm -hmm. what started the changes and the healing mm -hmm. that you guys did get yeah the, you know, it did those last few years it did. So. I just wish she would have lived to for us to really finally work out those last kinks yeah. you know so I think there, there are is no hope there are no kinks now you know yeah, what I mean it's done there are no it's kinks done. you're good she's good there yeah. are no kinks so so there's hope yes and there is hope like I think in the beginning of this, I, I did get to a point a few times, and I think we've talked about this before, where I started feeling some hopelessness. Like, mm, okay, sure. now I'm seeing, I get it, I'm codependent. I okay, up. Yeah. now what? What's going to fix me? How, how does it stop, you know? Mm -hmm. And we're going to get to that. Yes. We're going to get to that. But we yes. really have to have a very deep understanding first because we lack such yeah. objectivity mm -hmm. that we've got to finally learn how to recognize reality and own it and commit to, you know, commit to change. So I have one so. final question for you. Okay. You were really nervous, anxious, uncomfortable mm -hmm. with sharing. Mm -hmm. How does it feel now that you've done it? It feels good. It feels freeing. It feels like I wanted to give her the credit mm -hmm. for what she did, but it gives me hope that I can do the same. Ooh. I can do that. I can, you know, I can talk with Abby and, and, and try and make some amends. Yeah. See, I have time now to make amends. I hope I have time to make amends with Abby. And I've been working towards that. that you have. You have. Mm -hmm. But this is very, very deliberate and yes. is a good example. Maybe you can... Mm -hmm do what your email. mom did you know what <laughs> yeah. your mom said i'm opening the door yeah so uh, that's a great to example to talk about it so yeah. if you have had experience abuse maybe yeah. talk to the person who hurt you but if you've hurt your kids open that you know open that door have I'm a conversation to write a but here's the thing kids. 
you have to be willing to hear them mm-hmm. and allow them safely to tell you the truth mm-hmm. and tell you how you made them feel without getting defensive or angry or shutting them down. You yes. ha- like if my mom would have tried to make excuses and shut me down, it would have ne- it would have gone nowhere. Yep. Right. And if I do that with Abby, we're not going to ever heal. Yep. I have to own it a hundred percent. Okay, I hear you. Well, you know, I'm, just <laughs> I'm thinking. I'm like, I think I need to write letters to my children. There's a lot of because children. Because I do know but... when I went out to remember that time a while ago. I went out with Abby. We went to lunch, and I was telling her, "Tell me what you know. What did I yes. do that hurt you the most?" Yes. What? And then I was telling her some memories, some things that I remember that I'd done. And I said, "I want to. I'm going to apologize mm-hmm. and ask her forgiveness." And she said, "Oh, that's okay." I said, "It's not." And that's one response I'm not going to let you have. Yeah. You, you know, you cannot say that to me. But maybe she wasn't ready to hear it. She, and that's and she, you know she what I mean. Be. So I said, "I don't want you to say that. I'm not asking you to." Make me okay. Right. I'm not asking you to. Excuse this is not me. right. Or, yeah, I'm just wanting you to hear. Yeah, my heart, and that I hear that I've hurt you, and that I, I, I acknowledge what you're saying is true, mm-hmm. and that that's your experience. Mm-hmm. And I think that went a long way towards us starting mm-hmm. our healing journey too. And I think so. there's something to you know when you re- write a letter and you read it in the quiet of your own space where you don't have to respond, and you can kind of you know think about it and and kind of turn around the feelings and the emotions and the the history right. i think there's a lot of power in that so i'm inspired thank you so too thank so, you for sharing thanks you guys well thanks for joining us um next week we're going to talk about responding to hurt and anger part two there's many parts to this because there's a <laughs> lot and then day four is responding to hurt and anger part three so there's we, a lot respond of responding a lot. to hurt and anger. A lot of so responding. yeah so, and then, yeah, and so then the last um, unit, I think, is memories. Yeah. So. And it won't be next week. Oh, no, not next week, no. but it'll be someday. It'll be and there's homework. One day. There's homework involved in that. Yeah. So we're going to get to some exercises. You guys, it's really important that you do these exercises with us because, again, nothing's going to change if you don't do the work, right? Yeah. So we're, so. Here, we're here to support you. So do it. Do it. <laughs> She's so bossy. This is- <laughs> We love you guys. <laughs> and don't forget to like and subscribe us. Thank you. Bye, guys. Bye.